Yes, thanks everyone for joining. We appreciate you being here. Today we're going to continue on our, I guess what we finished the last space on, which is kind of the concept of digital identity and brand building. This is a topic that I think is very topical right now. It's something that's being discussed a lot. I was actually scrolling through some of the NFT Now panels from Art Basel, and uh, like Keith Grossman was talking about digital identity. Uh, Julia and I were just talking about the Emma Chamberlain podcast from yesterday too, and she was talking about digital identity. Uh, I've been writing articles about digital identity for the past few weeks or months, so it's, it's something that I personally am really fascinated about, and I'm really excited to get Julia's opinion on it. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that is super interesting is that as soon as you kind of open a profile on social media, you're kind of tapping into this whole digital identity that you're building. And I think for a lot of people, this is even like a very like unconscious thing. Like a lot of people do it um, without even knowing because about like, especially platforms like Instagram and Twitter, where you share a lot about, you know, your life and like what you care about and what you value. Like by simply doing that, you're already building this online version of yourself. And I think um, if I think about my early Instagram days, like for me in the beginning, I also did it in a very unconscious way. Because for those of you who might know or not know, but when I started my Instagram journey, um, my, what is it like? I don't know if it's like tagline or but my identity was kind of the, the girl with the yellow jacket. Because I had this yellow jacket that I was wearing in a lot of my photos and I never went into it thinking oh this is going to be like my trademark or my identity I just did it because I thought it looked cool in photos and then more and more people started recognizing me as this person who wears this yellow jacket and so in a way I think I, I started building this brand unconsciously um, but then after a while I realized like I don't know I had like a conflict at the beginning with it because I was like I don't want to only this like, I want to wear different different clothes. I want to do different things. Um, but then I, I realized that it was a really good way for me to to build my online, like, identity or presence. So I kind of started feeding into it more. But it was never, like, every single post was about that. It was, like, every now and then. And I think I was able to create a really good balance of people knowing, like, my work and my photos. But also this, as this girl with the yellow jacket. Yeah, I think those are great points. I think just on your first comment with how Instagram kind of developed almost subconsciously, I think that's kind of how I felt too with my personal Instagram account. And it just was this thing that everyone did that you began having this extension of your in real life identity. And that digital identity that you had, you didn't really think about it like a digital identity. It was more of just, oh, I'm, I'm posting on Instagram. This is what I'm doing. This is how I can see what my friends are doing. Um, and for me, I mean, I don't think I got it until like probably 2011 or 2012. So it was fairly early Instagram days, but I definitely wasn't the earliest. So it's really interesting to hear, Julia, how you got started with it because you were one of the first people I followed on Instagram. And it's interesting that you brought up the yellow jacket because that is definitely something that I recognized with you, but it wasn't what I necessarily associated with you until we started talking when we got into more into NFTs and Web3 and you brought it up. I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's true. Like I hadn't really thought about it all that much because I just, I remember so many of your beautiful mountain photos and that's what really stuck out in my mind. But I think that that's, you had a really healthy, I think, uh, perspective on how to bring in this 
authentic aspect of yourself with the yellow jacket because you had this jacket that you liked and that you liked how it looked in photos and it kind of just developed to be this almost uh yeah it's not a, it's not a trademark necessarily um because trademarks are like words and like there, there are more aspects to trademarks um it can be like sounds and stuff too but it's it's almost like uh, a brand aspect and i think that's kind of what you were doing you were building this brand even if it was subconscious and I think the fact that you balanced the use of your uh, signature aspect of your brand with the yellow jacket, but mixed it with other photos, I think that was actually a really good play because it allowed you to kind of control how that aspect of the girl in the yellow jacket impacted the development of your brand. And I think that's something that people have talked about quite a bit in the NFT space too, because profile pictures are such a big deal. And I mean, they are on Instagram and they were on MSN, but it's not as big as I think the name was on Instagram. But on Twitter, it seems like people care a lot about the PFPs. So there's a concern that if you change some aspect of your digital identity, like your PFP, all of a sudden you are going to lose some of, it's called like goodwill, like the, the reputation that you have associated with your identity. And people are concerned that by changing some aspect of their brand or their style, they end up actually... Uh, losing followers or losing uh, reputation that kind of destroys their performance on the algorithm. I, I don't know. That's that's a difficult balance. So I guess, what do you think? How was your journey uh, transitioning away from the girl with the yellow jacket? Yeah, those are some great, great points. And yeah, I can, I, I really get this whole thing about the PFP change. I feel like once you, well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't want to change my PFP right now because people don't ne maybe recognize my photo more than they do my name. As you said, like with Instagram, it's so it was so much about the handle because you were just doing at and then tagging someone or, or stuff like that. And now it's it's kind of beyond that much more visual. And I remember back in the beginning of the year when there was all this um, PFP madness happening and people changing their profile picture all the time because they bought a different PFP. <laughs> It was like kind of crazy to to fall, to kind of what is the word like catch up with who you're talking to or or who you're looking at or who you're viewing a post from because you're just getting really confused. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really big part of your brand, and I think it also does work a lot on on Instagram, like not just the name but also your profile picture. And I remember once I started, I decided to kind of transition away from this image of of the girl with the yellow jacket i um i mean there were a few things that happened in that year that made me decide to do it but i also felt like i've kind of moved on from that identity and i wanted to be not necessarily taken more seriously but just being more known for my work rather than this persona that i built but i i mean yeah i still think about it very often because it, it was a really really great way to build this brand and but I think I was at a point where I established myself where it was okay to do that. And I also think that I really, really obsessed over how my feed looks. Um, like, you know, like so many people have these feed planners and they plan out their feed like months ahead and just so they look good. And I was one of those people like if a photo didn't fit, then I just wouldn't want to post it. Um, and I think this is something that I learned really early on that a first impression is so, so important because it, it, it really is ties into the attention span of people that they go on your profile. And if they like what they see, they're probably going to start scrolling and looking at things. 
And if they don't like that first impression, they're probably going to leave and might never look at your stuff again. So I was kind of obsessing how my grid looked. And I think it's, it is something really important also for brands these days. Like in general, if you think about like clothing brands or whatever, like when I want to find a product online and I go to their Instagram and I don't like the way they communicate, I kind of have like this unconscious idea already of who they are, or maybe this conscious. And then if I like what I see, I'm, I'm like more inclined into doing more research on the product that I want to buy or something like that. So I, I do think that first impressions really do matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's interesting you bring up the the feed and kind of obsessing over that. I think this is something that most people probably go through. I know I went through it as well. I still go through it regularly. Um, and I think it's the, the obsessive aspect. I think that's not healthy. Um, but that's not to say that the organization and the intentionality behind it is not important because you're right. I think when someone first hits your, your page, maybe they saw one of your reels and then they go to your profile picture or they saw one of your photos and they go to your, your profile. If they don't get what they're expecting, which is more of the same type of content that they liked that brought you to the page in the first place, they're probably going to just go back to the reels app and keep scrolling. So I think that the the organization of your feed, it doesn't have to be perfect by any means. And this is something that I've struggled with too, because I think it is more important just to put things out there, but you still want to kind of check to make sure that those things are in line with the message that you're trying to put out there and the person that you're trying to be perceived as. And I think that that's something that a lot of people who don't create all the time or who aren't using social media from a brand building perspective don't necessarily uh, grasp as much. And this is for me, I think, where when I, I used to post a lot more what I was doing in my life, um, like hanging out with friends, playing games, doing activities, and I would post those to my personal social media account. And then when I started my Wanderlutes account, like my more business-based one, the one that I was kind of like you're saying, switching to the more, I want to be known for my the quality of my work and like the message that I'm trying to put out there. That's when I started to really notice how much being intentional with what I was putting out there had an impact on other people's perception of me. And I actually kind of moved away from sharing all of these aspects of my life on my personal account and started sharing more of a specifically curated extension of my identity through my Wanderlutes account. And yeah, I guess it's kind of interesting how I think if you start to practice doing that, you start to understand content creation and, and social media and how that is an extension of your identity. It is a very powerful tool. Uh, but a lot of people, I think, when I talk to them, associate it more with that uh, sharing every aspect of your life component and that tends to freak them out because they're worried about putting too much of themselves on the internet and my response has always been well that's what's so exciting about digital identity is that you don't have to put every aspect of yourself it can be a very curated uh, extension of what you want to be known as and yeah i guess that's kind of that's really where a lot of the power comes in and uh, I guess a problem with that, and Emma Chamberlain talks about this a bit, which it was actually really interesting to get active because she's, uh, I think almost, she's like nine years younger than me or eight years younger than me, um, which is <laughs> generations in terms of social media development and technology development. And she was kind of talking about how people just wanted to put everything out there all the time. And if you stopped putting things out there all the time, then you would start to kind of get this FOMO of not capturing things and not showing people that you were living an interesting life. And that's actually why I, I kind of got away from the personal account and more into my Wanderludes one is because I was tired of trying to deal with that type of FOMO 
and instead wanted to begin developing something that was a lot more deliberate and intentional and how I wanted to be perceived by people. Yeah, that's a that's a really great thought. And I think it's I have struggled with this in the past as well, because I think it's it's kind of difficult to find that that balance of what do I share? What do I want to share? Like, I've definitely been in that space where I was oversharing a lot. And I do feel that people are really interested when you're sharing more about your life, especially if, if it is someone that you look up to. Like, I, I noticed that the people that I follow and the people that I look up to and interested in, in their life and what they do, like, I love when they share more personal stuff. Um, but at the same time, I, I can understand that it's you definitely have to be careful with what you put out there. Because as you said, like, there's this FOMO at some point when you share too much. At some point, you're like, what else? What else do I do? I have to share, or I don't know. You get into this. Um, I know you get so sucked in, into constantly wanting to have something interesting to share that when you don't have anything interesting going on, you're like freaking out, and you're like, "Yeah, I, it is definitely a really difficult um, balance to figure out." Because I do think that for a brand, it's really important to communicate things that you value, things that you care about. But at the same time, as we said, like you're in charge, and you can decide what that is for you. And I think there is also that this aspect of being a little bit more mysterious and not like putting all your cards on the table, having some things that you keep to yourself. Like I definitely am more in that category right now where I don't want to share everything about my life. And I feel I feel really good about it now. But um, yeah, I feel, I feel like that this is like whole, like a I mean, it does play a role in Web3 as well. But what do you think about? like building a brand in Web3, do you think that is different or how do you see that change from the whole Web2 universe? I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going to go next with this. Um, yeah, I, I think just on the Web2 side of things, that that feeling of being sucked into social media, I mean, that's, that is a real feeling and it's because of the way that social media was designed. It was designed to be addictive. It was designed to keep you on there for as long as possible and to uh, feel as though if you weren't posting constantly, well, then you wouldn't get shown to your followers and then they would forget who you were. So there was this this fear of missing out, this fear of being forgotten, which is, I think, actually a pretty innate uh, human fear, which is why people are so concerned with legacy and leaving something behind. So I think that type of social media development led to uh well it was based on attention right even now the the number one metric for most social media platforms is watch time how much time is someone spending looking at your content because the longer the watch time the more ad revenue that platform makes the more money they make and i it's really hard to disconnect from that and this is why i think people get social media fatigue because there is this expectation of trying to feed this algorithm constantly and I think it's interesting how that developed because originally it wasn't that intensive an algorithm, right? That algorithms have gotten a lot more uh, sophisticated over time. So I think actually what you were kind of referencing in terms of the creators that you were following that shared aspects of their lives more consistently, I think that actually is a form of trust development. Like an influencer or a content creator, if you value their opinion or you value the content they put out, it's likely that you have some level of trust with them, even though you may have never met them in person. But they've showed enough of their life to you that you feel as though you have a bit of a glimpse on who they are, and that leads to you trusting them. And, I mean, whether that's good or bad, that that's a whole other question. It depends on the person. It depends on how authentic they're being. 
Uh, it depends if they're doing it because they just want to get likes or they're doing it because they have beautiful things they want to share or value they want to share or some combination, which is not necessarily a bad thing either, especially when you're building a brand and trying to turn it into a business. But I think where Web3 starts to come in is, yes, I, I do think it's different. I have felt the difference personally. There's something a lot more permanent, in my opinion, about connecting now not just a profile picture and a username to your digital identity, but also a wallet address, one that is tied to blockchain that will forever be tied to blockchain because it's not possible to change it. And not only that, but the entire ecosystem is built on an economy because we're dealing with cryptocurrencies. So now we're not only taking things like sharing photos and sharing your face and sharing aspects of your life, sharing your art, whatever it is you want to share, your writing, um, any form of content, there, is, there are more stakes associated with it because over time you're building up this reputation associated with your digital identity. And that reputation is a lot harder to scrub from the internet because it's now tied to blockchain, which is, uh, the word is immutable. It can't be changed. So I think that there are stakes present in Web3 that uh, it doesn't, I don't know how to phrase it. It doesn't have to be like a scary thing. I think it just brings in an extra level of intentionality and deliberation that traditional social media doesn't really have because it's all about putting as much as you can out there to feed this algorithm. Whereas on blockchain, I mean, personally, I've only minted three things so far because I am trying to be extremely intentional about the message that I'm putting out there associated with my art and with my personal brand that I'm building. So I think that when I'm talking to a lot of people about digital identity and I jump into Web3 and how important it is, I've started to realize that I'm missing a step and I've had people tell me this. And the first step is to explain how much digital identity has impacted Web2 and the development of society. But yeah, long answer short, I think Web3 is very different. I just think that it's in the early phases right now and people are going to care more and more about it as more people begin to use it. Yeah, those are some some really interesting um, thoughts, and I, I really like that you that you brought up um, the whole Web three part as well. And I mean, as you said, like we're so at the at the beginning of this all that it's kind of hard to tell where it's going to develop and how like the masses are going to adopt it, and if we're gonna if people are still going to continue bringing that Web two mentality into Web three. And I think part bits of it are still going to be. Um, like present because like not all web 2 is is bad or the, the system is bad but there's just aspects of it that could be better and i think this what you said with having a more like transparent um way of communicating and f information for everyone being more accessible and available um i think that's gonna solve a lot of the the issues that we see in in web 3 so yeah i'm i'm really excited about that Yeah, me too. And I mean, for me, this is kind of interesting too. And I, I know I bring this up regularly, or at least it feels like I do. But I started researching blockchain back in 2017 when I was trying to come up with solutions to fake news. And to me, that was just one of the scariest things I had come across, uh, how social media data had been used to influence uh, elections around the world. Like that's, we don't have to get into that, but that was just such a mind-blowing concept to me that it could have that big of an influence on the the progression of the world and people just didn't care 
I was just like, what is happening? How, how do you not care about this? And how do you not care about how digital reputation is impacting things? And a lot of people, I think, associate it with this Web2 mentality, which, uh, I, again, is not necessarily a bad thing, but there is this uh, almost chaotic element, I think, to Web2. And that's why people tend to dismiss it. And they think it has to be a ton of work that goes into it, even though if you go into it with a very uh, intentional strategy, like we were talking about before, how you can you can batch edit, for example, and then schedule 100 posts and have the algorithm be happy for a couple months. And you can still build your brand, but without necessarily burning out. And I think that all of these things really just go towards reputation. And I think the reputation that is valued in Web2 is quantity, uh, at least from the algorithm standpoint, and consistency, which again, are not bad things because it helps you develop your style. It helps you figure out what it is you want to put out there for other people to see. Like there is a learning curve involved with sharing content and identifying what type of content you want to be associated with. Um, but I think that in Web3, what we're starting to see is that if people approach it with a Web3 mentality, with a, with a scarcity mentality instead of an abundance one, then it's possible to actually begin to elevate the creator economy to a different level than it's been or it has been historically with Web2 because it's starting to tie more of the value associated with the, the content created by a particular person with their reputation instead of something like a follower count. And I think a follower count, it can be a great metric depending on why you're using that audience. But in terms of monetizing off of a follower count in Web2, you have to, I mean, and you can speak to this more than I can, um, but you build up a following and you then connect that following to um, engagement metrics that you can share with brands so that you can then share something to do with the brand and they can pay you and you can kind of tap into really the ad revenue market. And in Web3, I think what we're starting to see is that if people can provide value to the ecosystem, like to the whole Web3 space, uh, they are able to begin demonstrating that there is more to them than just the follower count. They, like for my own personal example, I'm trying to educate people on different types of technology. I made a YouTube series on smart contracts and I hope that in the future, I mean, but the reason I'm doing it is to help people, but I think by helping people that can also build your reputation. And in theory, when you start to sell things like NFTs, I think the community values the NFTs differently if you've been present in the space and you have added other forms of value aside from the art. And that's not to say that the art itself is can't can't be the only thing that people value. Um, <laughs> I wish, right? I wish that people could just look at my art and be like, wow, that's, that's worth 10 ETH. Um, but that hasn't happened. And really, it's all about me trying to convince people that it would be worth that much. And that's where it starts to get really interesting um, and where I tend to lose a lot of people when I'm talking about digital identity is the concept of value and how arbitrary it is and how really it's up to the individual brand, the individual creator to demonstrate to other people why what they're putting out there is valuable. And the uh, actual like uh, numerical value associated with that value is a difficult one to figure out. And that's something that I think has to be up to each creator. And I think that's also where I see Web3 being a, a, an upgrade to Web2 because it gives some of that self-valuation back to the creator a little bit more, or actually a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really love the points that you that you brought up, and I think for me that was kind of one of the many reasons why I jumped over to Twitter about a year ago because I was just 
sick of relying on all the brands that I was working with to pay me. And, you know, like the, there's just so much that, that goes into um, when you are relying on other people to for you to tr- to thrive and to kind of, um, yeah, to, to keep going and, and, and keep what, what you love doing. And there's also like so much, so many kind of rules and so much hype and so many trends that now if you follow them, then that's kind of the recipe for you to make it almost on, on Instagram, it seems. And I was kind of tired of that because I, I think I do really value originality and I'm not necessarily the biggest fan. It doesn't, I don't say that I don't ever do any of the reels or I haven't done things in the past that were kind of following the trend. Um, but I just got kind of tired of it because it really crushes your your creativity. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm still in a, a very conflict with myself because I've, I, I built this um, like huge following over on Instagram and I don't just want to like put it into like a, what's the word, like put it into closet and close it and say goodbye because I think it's it is a very valuable thing but I just like the way that like the relationship that I had to it wasn't really healthy so I was really excited when I came over to to Twitter and like just saw that things were running a little bit differently like I'm, I'm not saying that it is like the perfect way for a creator to creators to do it but there is like a ideal way that people are striving for it to be so I really hope that it's going to develop into that way and um yeah with i think what you said about like the value that you can contribute um is like one of the biggest things that you can kind of give like by simply either educating people from everything that you've learned in the past or as a girl but also just as we always talk about like supporting one another and i think that is one of the the big pillars that we have in in web3 and like i don't i don't like in the word community because i feel like it's so overused but it is truly that um i really really value all the connections that i made um on twitter over instagram just because of the the way the connections feel much more authentic in a way and i have much more deeper conversations with the people here and i feel like it doesn't really matter as much like how many followers you have like it might matter a little bit unconsciously because there's this web 2 mentality that we're still bringing into it but um, at the same time, it's so much easier to connect with people with through like spaces and stuff. So, yeah, there's just so many things that I really, really value from simply like being here besides like the whole NFT parts and like selling your art. Like that's obviously another great bonus where you don't have to rely on brand deals and taking photos of bottles, watches or whatever in order for people to pay you and monetize that to your audience. But you can simply like take a photo that you really enjoy they really love and you know that is kind of the product that you're you're offering and i i really that kind of um that mentality yeah absolutely i think what you were kind of talking about with relying on other people to thrive and that is the web 2 aspect um like what comes to mind for me and it always really has it's something i've been interested in for a long time is the concept of 1000 true fans and that to me just really sums up web 2 versus web 3 because if, if you look at the curve that's in the article on a thousand true fans i don't i don't think i have a, a tweet to share it but i recommend googling the article um it's it's pretty short and there's this curve and the first like one third of the curve or less 
has the highest amount on the graph. It's like the most value is in the first third, third, and then the, the last two thirds of it, it just tapers off to almost nothing. And the idea is basically that you don't need to market to a million people or 10 million people to try and sell your, your work. You can just try and market to the first 1,000 that actually are going to be the people that want to spend money on your art or on your creations. And by being more intentional and deliberate about the uh, the community, which I, I agree that was a kind of a phase in Web3 where people were using that word, I think, in the wrong way. Um, so I, I don't know. Sorry, just a second. Is this uh, the one I pinned up? Is that the one you're talking about? Um, I don't see a pinned tweet. Is it you tweet? You pinned it to the space? Yeah, I commented under. Oh, on okay. Space, but I I pinned it up. I think it's the one that you sent me earlier, right? Oh, that's actually a different curve, <laughs> but that one I think is super new. Um. So we, we can talk about that one afterwards, but thanks for sharing it. Uh, yeah, I know I've been doing some research on this topic, so I've been coming across a lot of uh, graphical ways that people have conveyed these concepts, which is pretty helpful. But yeah, effectively, a thousand true fans is the concept that if you have a thousand people that are willing to buy what you put out there, you can make a living as a creator without relying on a ton of like ad revenue and brand deals because you have this direct connection with a smaller number of people. And in Web2, it's kind of the opposite. It's create a reel and then try and show it to every single person in the world so that you can build a really large following and then use that following to couple to a brand that will pay you. But if you try and sell things to your followers, it's very possible that most of them, if not almost all of them, won't be willing to actually buy something from you. So I think because we're dealing with Web3, which is an inherently economic-based system, right, because it's run on blockchain, which is in many cases powered by cryptocurrencies, it has a different level of what it means to be community. And it's easy for someone to demonstrate that they want to be a member of your community because they can buy one of your NFTs. And that gives you a direct access to the creator. Like it's a connection between two people because once you have that wallet address, you will always be able to find each other anywhere on the internet. Even if Twitter dies, even if all social media dies, you could still send people things to their wallet. So it kind of creates this decentralized key where you don't have to rely on a corporation to maintain that level of connection. And that's kind of a cool power. And I think that's where decentralized social media is going to be developing in the near future. I saw something recently, uh, I think it was called like ETH.co. And effectively what you could do is you type in your uh, your ETH address, like your your ENDS, your Ethereum naming service, like mywanderloots.eth, and you just put .co at the end. And it scrapes the Ethereum blockchain for my uh, for creations associated with Wanderloots and then pops them all into a social media page. And that to me is where the future of social media is going, where you can put things on chain and have that reputation develop and you'll be able to scrape it super easily across any platform. Anyone that wants to tap into that can really create this independent digital identity associated with you and your wallet, as opposed to associated with Google, Apple, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Twitter, Vero, like there's so many different ways that you have to sign in and connect into this ecosystem. Um, and yeah, for the curve that you posted to the top there, I think this is kind of actually representative of where Web3 is at um, because we're kind of, I think, in the uh, maybe a mix between the pioneer era and the engineering era. And the idea there would be that a new technology came out and those are the people that started working with it. And I think that is Bitcoin. When that came out, everyone started developing this system. 
And over time, it's gotten easier and easier and easier for people to use as the engineers developed better ways of accessing wallets and communicating with people. And I think the artists are here. They're starting to be. A lot of people left uh, when there were those uh, several crashes over the last like six months. And I think that we're going to, when the next, whenever crypto winter ends, that's where we're going to see the next level of the creator era. Um, and this is kind of what I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this in this space. And I'm, I'm glad that we can help people understand the technology associated with this and how to use it to build a brand. Because if you have that level of understanding, when the masses start to come back in again, whenever crypto is deemed like socially popular by uh, society, then you'll start to have a lot more people coming in and they're going to look to, like you were saying, pillars of the community, people that have been here and are helping out. And to me, that's also why I've really been enjoying the Web3 space. Like I sold my first couple NFTs and I think I had like 600 followers at the time, but I was really working on trying to connect with people on on like a real level. And I, I made a lot of friends and it was really cool. Right? You were one of the first ones and that's awesome that we could connect. And it just led to deeper levels of relationship than I had experienced across any other social media. And I think you're right. It's because people see the vision. They see where this is going and what it can be. So they're all interested in helping each other out. And it almost like, turns everyone into a mix between like a colleague and a friend, um, which is kind of a, a cool way to build a system. And I think that there's a lot of value there. And just on one thing that you mentioned too, about like the where value comes from and how to value it. I think that a lot of people uh, in web two, not to say that they don't do it in web three too, um, but in my opinion, it it's not excellent for building a brand um, is that they try and just create massive amounts of content and push it out there. And it's back to that concept of appealing to the masses, like everyone, by creating everything and not really having this curation uh, associated with your brand. And I think that's what NFTs can be, though some people also will use it as a replacement for prints. And uh, I think it's difficult to build high value if you're selling things as if they were prints, because I, I think that kind of gets away from the... Uh, from different aspects of Web3 that make it so valuable. Um, and I think that we're in the position to start to understand how we want to convey our value to other people with that curation and what we choose to mint, right? Back to that intentionality. And as a side note, that we don't have to get into it, but with the advent of AI creating and being able to create so many things, um, it's kind of interesting, right, that it's so intelligent and is able to create so much. I know it's been freaking a lot of people out, right? Are people going to lose their jobs? Are creators not going to need to create anymore? And I think that at least for now, we'll be able to look at AI as a tool uh, to speed up a lot of perhaps like uh, virtual world building processes that would otherwise take forever to to code and to, to uh, what's it called? Like render in 3D, right? That takes a lot of time. So I think we'll be able to use AI to speed it up. But I think what we'll start to see is that people who have been creating for a while and who kind of have the eye that they've developed in their particular style will be able to, even if AI is creating things, they'll still have this curation skill because they've worked to build their own personal brand out of, I don't know, like for mine, I've probably taken 500,000 photos and I've minted three so far. That's a very highly curated uh, blockchain experience. So I think that artists have been developing the skill of curation and that's actually perhaps an undervalued skill, which... <laughs> It is also why I think some of the collections that have performed well are usually ones that 
are valued not super, super low. They might be valued at like 0.1 or 0.2 or 0.5 ETH for each one of one. And the collection is what makes it. It's the it's not just one piece. It's 10 pieces put together or three or four or five that tell a story. And I think every person has a, a different story that they can tell. And I mean, we'll see if AI gets there, but I'm, I'm realizing I'm going on a tangent. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I find the whole AI thing super, super interesting interesting and we can definitely um have a space for that if you want in the future and i do think that it would as you said like speed up a lot of the workflows and um kind of i guess in a way make art more accessible in a way to a lot of people or not even art but but it could be even just like animations or making a educational video that like maybe you don't have any skills to do animations or voiceovers or whatever and then having that a machine learn for you and do that it can really help you as you said like speed up the process but at the same time i think people in general are always going to be more inclined to or i don't know this is just my personal opinion be more inclined to i guess i'm talking from a perspective as a like a photographer of like actual human experience that people went through to like capture something and then having that story behind it on how you went and got that photograph i think it's much more valuable than having something that a machine has created but yeah as i said we can definitely have a, a separate space on that i think that would be really interesting and um one thing that you brought up earlier about the eat.co um this is i guess it is a tangent but i think what they're doing and like like first of all i really think the the i don't know what it is exactly like the website to share different links is is really brilliant um but what they're doing from like a marketing standpoint just like buying up so many different um nfts and helping out so many creators is so smart from them like because like i see their name constantly all the time on my feed um and i just think that you're doing is is really cool that they're be that they have the resources to help out so many people um so yeah i guess this is a tangent but I just thought it was a really, really smart move from them um, because I think that everybody knows how what it is. Um, so yeah, just wanted to bring that up as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it kind of comes back down to uh, reputation really and trust and why would someone want to use that app versus another one. And reputation is such an interesting concept because it can be built in so many different ways. I think building reputation is almost an art form on its own because it is very much a unique expression of who you are and really how you want to be perceived by other people. And that's something that I think people don't uh, often reflect deeply enough on uh, in terms of that, what what is it that I want to be known for? And some people say, oh, well, then you're curating your reality and it's not actually real life. And I actually disagree with that because I don't think it has to be uh, that it's not real life. It's just like we keep saying, a deliberate expression of an aspect of your life. Like when I'm posting stuff to my Instagram or to Twitter or to LinkedIn, I'm not trying to say that that is 100% of my life. I'm just saying, like like you mentioned, here's a cool photo that I took. Here's the story behind it. I hope that you find it valuable. And I think people kind of mix that up with uh, like showing a highlight reel, for example. I know that term has been used a lot for Instagram and how that leads to FOMO. But I don't think it has to. I think it's just that when a lot of people started getting into social media, 
that's what they started using it for. They used it to show a highlight reel of their life, to make themselves look cool, to make it look as though they're always up to interesting things. And I think, uh, and this goes back to what you mentioned earlier, it kind of comes from, well, why are they doing it in the first place? If they're doing it for other people, it's always going to develop this FOMO and this burnout associated with it because you're not coming from the right place. You're doing it for other people. And that, I think, is one of the biggest flaws in social media. And it's something that I think probably came as a result of technology developing too fast and people playing with powers that they didn't quite understand yet. Like when Facebook was invented and it just went off using all of this data from everything, that was that was a risky play. And I think it's had a lot of it's done a lot of good, but it's also done a lot of bad. And I think we need to now take a step back and look at how we want to communicate using our digital identities and take a look at the bigger picture here and where does it fit in. And I personally think that mental health should be near the top of priorities with how you use your digital identity, but it's not something that people necessarily consider. Um, and I think it's because it's, oh, it's too new. And a lot of the older generation, the people that were not born with a phone in their hands, or uh, I mean, like I got access, I'm 29, so I got access to the internet when I was probably, I don't know, maybe eight or so, but I didn't really start using it until high school. Um, and that's when I, I got a Facebook account and I could use MSN. And I was kind of in this like in-between stage of the previous generation that had no idea what the internet was and the new generation that was born with the internet. So it's actually, I think, given me a really cool perspective on both sides of the coin. And I think that because the people that were creating these things were on the other side, right, the older generation, they didn't necessarily have to live through the, the FOMO that was generated through social media that kind of became an expectation of the newer generation. And that's it's just really interesting to think about that because now it's almost as though everyone goes through this like rite of passage where you have to battle with how social media is going to fit into your life in a healthy way. And a lot of people never really finish that battle. They just kind of are constantly in this in-between state where they go up and down with using social media and then FOMO and then they start to feel sad, so they stop using it, and then they feel sad because they're not using it, and then it's just this kind of vicious cycle. But if you're able to be a bit more intentional with it, and kind of like you were saying, where you found this balance, you can start to come into a harmony where you have this extension of your identity, your digital identity, that you are deliberately showing people in a way that you want to convey some aspect of your life, like you want to share some of your story, which for me is through photography as well. And I agree on that front, too, that I think photography is perhaps a bit different than digital creations, not better or worse, just different. And something that's different about it is that it is tied to reality. And as the digital world develops more and more and more and we start getting infinite forms of content and you have AI that can create content, um, I think that having things tied to reality is actually going to be one of the more scarce forms of art because it's there is a limited amount of things in reality, but there's an unlimited amount in digital reality. So from the standpoint, and Emma Chamberlain talks about this a little bit too, of like memories. And oh, actually, before I get into that, I'll give you a sec. Do you want to respond to any of those things? Yeah, I, I honestly um, really like that you brought up mental health, because I know that this is important to to both of us. And I think just over the course of the last few years, there has been so much more, so much more focus on it, and I'm really happy that there was, that there is. And I also like that you brought up this um, 
this in-between state of of um, kind of, yeah, having this love-hate relationship with social media. And I think I still find myself some days in it. But that's then, and you just have to kind of take a break and go do something in real life that you enjoy doing and see friends in real life. And, and then it kind of puts everything into perspective again and helps you to go back into it with a, I guess, with a fresh perspective. But at the same time, you it's, it's this um, dangerous territory where you're going to get sucked in, sucked in it again. And I think, I think this will always kind of be part of our life because we're so get so used to technology and our phones these days that I know that probably no one who owns a phone can really live without it anymore. Like, I mean, everything is online right now, like the way we communicate, the way we do literally everything from like shopping and um, for so many people, even their jobs, like even for my, for myself, like it's, it's, if I didn't have this whole social media um, presence and everything that I built, like, I don't know if I would be where I am today with my photography. So I, I owe it a lot. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up as well. Yeah. And I think just on the point of like leaving to take a, a break, I would definitely encourage anyone that is feeling burnt out from social media to take a day or a week off from it. It will give you a level of perspective that is hard to have when you're connected all the time. And I, I've definitely gone through phases of this. I typically try to at least post a GM on Twitter. I got to keep that algorithm going a little bit. But on Instagram, sometimes I'll just dip for a month or two or three. And it's just because it's just too much work. I've got other things going on in my life. And I think what's cool on the Web3 side of things is that because you're building a community of, I, I keep calling them like true friends, you are instead building a network of people instead of an audience if that makes sense. Like you are building uh, true connections with other people instead of just trying to rack up a follower account. And because of that, I think it's a lot easier for people to just put out a tweet saying, hey, I'm burnt out or hey, I'm going to be gone for a week or what not. I mean, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. But uh, if you're trying to build a collector base, I would recommend probably mentioning the people that you're going to be gone for a little while um, just because so many people have left the space that it's uh, reassuring for people to go to your, your page and be like, oh, Where's Callum? Oh, okay. He's just taking a mental health break. That's cool, right? Like people seem to value that a lot here. And because you're dealing with people instead of an algorithm, I think it's a lot easier to take a step back and to not have uh, someone or something in this case, like judge you for being gone. And I know people who I, I've collected from in the past, they've apologized for not being present in the space. And my response is always, no, like do what you have to do. I, I value your mental health more than this piece of art. Like that, that doesn't matter to me. So I think it's important to also help people recognize that it's okay to take a break and it's okay to feel burnt out from social media and try and deal with that. Because the longer you try to go on with that burnout, the worse it gets. And the more uh, I find I get kind of like dissociated and kind of disconnected from reality because I'm too connected to the digital world, which is, I think, kind of what, what you were getting at too. Yeah, no, I agree. Taking breaks is super, super, super healthy. Wow, super healthy. And I I think I also made mental health a prior priority for myself and put it above everything, everything else. And um, yeah, as, as you said earlier, earlier, like the reputation that you build is kind of related to or is, yeah, is, is related to the, the online presence that you build. And I think being 
a role model for other people and saying like, I'm going to take a break. And then, you know, everybody sees that you're going to be back and everything's fine. Like maybe that's an inspiration for more people to be like, oh, it, you know, they have been gone for a week, but they're back and everything's back to normal. And like, I, I know this FOMO of, um, like just being scared that you're going to miss something or people are going to forget about you. But the truth is they're not. And I think especially if you build this reputation that we were talking about and being genuine and helping other people and, and being here for the right reason, people will understand when you're taking a break. So I think that's that's a really, really good point. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's something that the more we talk about, the more acceptable it will be. So that's also why... Kind of like you're saying, I've made mental health a large priority in not just my life, but also in the way that I'm trying to use my digital identity. Like my my brand that I'm trying to build, just to tie back to, I guess, the space a bit more, uh, the title of the space, is that there are so many different elements of myself that I can show to other people. But one thing I've noticed a lot is that everyone struggles with mental health. Like it's especially over the course of the pandemic, like it's been very difficult. Um, and I think that in terms of the brand that I'm trying to create and the brand that I value in other people, I think really it kind of comes down to how are you communicating, which was the the title of the last space. And it's true because communication is such an important aspect to building a brand. And all of these topics that we've been surrounding have really been uh, connected to how do you communicate with other people online? So when you can start to think about that and you start thinking about it from the sense of, okay, like for myself, I have found mindfulness super helpful for keeping myself in balance in my life and specifically a balance between my job and creating like my what I like to do for passion projects. And that's something that I wanted to convey through my art and have it be associated with my brand. So that's just something I've been putting out there because I find it valuable. So even the creation of a morning GM, uh, what I've been doing is I will do a meditation in the morning and then I'll think about the meditation. And then I will find a photo that I've edited and I will write a quick tweet thread about why that meditation was helpful and try and tie it to some visual that for some reason jumps out at me. And that's actually something that I do for myself first because it keeps me accountable to keep doing my meditations every morning and it makes me reflect on it, which is kind of like a, a journal entry really. But then I also have the added benefit of hopefully it will bring even a little bit of value to someone else. And those are all of the things I need in a Twitter post that will help, I hope, build my brand over time. And it's something that I can do that I find not very uh, strenuous. And it's something that helps me actually, I think, be a better version of myself because it is this uh, accountability with other people. So I think when it comes to building your brand and tying it to your digital identity, they are kind of separate aspects because the brand building is something that I think requires more self-reflection on the part of the creator to figure out how they actually want to be perceived by other people. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you that you brought that up. And I, I think that's really cool that you that you do that for yourself first and see it as a kind of like a journal entry every day, but at the same time, um, bring value to other people. And I also like that you brought up um, communication because I really think it is key to building your brand and, you know, how we show up and just sharing what we value. And I feel like, yeah, we kind of, um, yeah, just really, really enjoyed the space today. I think we, we covered so many, so many great points and, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to add. I'll, I'll add one more thing then for a moment. Um, so I thought, and this is kind of what we started to talk about a little bit earlier and, 
I feel like I keep bringing up Denver Chamberlain podcast, but it was very interesting. And she also was kind of talking about how people uh, want to capture everything all the time. And it's almost as though they have a fear of not having a memory of that moment. And to me, and, and she basically was saying she wasn't sure what the difference is and how you can kind of get over that feeling. And I think this is actually where art comes in. Because like when I take a photo, anyone can take a photo of the Toronto skyline or the moon or a mountain gorilla or anything, right? Like it's not impossible for someone else to take a very similar style photo to what I've taken where it starts to be. And I actually, I guess I think this is kind of what TikTok is, um, right? It's very non-edited. It's very just in the moment out there, you're taking videos and posting it. And the style of content often is very similar to what everyone else is putting out there. Not that people can't develop their own style, but in terms of the, the capture versus the edit, the, the edit is less about changing, I think, the aesthetic of it in terms of uh, bringing your specific world into it. And I think that's kind of where art and photography kind of come together, because if I take a photo, that's fine, that's cool. I now have this uh, image, I've captured the data, but I haven't really turned it into the memory that I recall in the moment that has so much more emotion and story and backstory involved in that capturing. So. Then when I edit the photo and I add my particular perspective to it, I, I'm shaping all the data that the camera captured into the memory that I remember. And I think that's actually where art starts to get a lot more valuable because we're now not just capturing something for the sake of capturing it. We're capturing it so that we can convey our memory to other people. And I think that is just, it's personally one thing that I have loved about art and showing and sharing different experiences I've had around the world that I think actually adds value uh, to the world by helping people empathize with different things around the world. And I think that's where, in terms of what we've been talking about with the FOMO culture and trying to capture everything, I think if people take a step back and start looking at what they're creating as more of an art form and being more uh, curated with what they're putting out there and more deliberate in sharing their perspective, it's easier to have it come from uh, from yourself instead of for other people because it's not about just capturing something to prove that you were there. It's uh, making this art form of a memory that you had that I know I love looking back through my photos and being like, oh yeah, I remember that moment. And the edited photos always speak to me a lot more than the photos I didn't edit, um, which I mean, there's probably some kind of paradox there where I'm editing the ones that I'm more interested in, but it, it kind of, uh, well, I mean, that's an aspect of curation on its own too. So I think that there are a lot of elements of creation that traditional social media doesn't really get right um, because it has this mass production component. And I'm excited to talk to more people about art. I've really enjoyed that in the Web3 community, just talking to so many cool creators. And that's really why I got, like we talked about getting sucked into Web2. I got sucked into Web3, but it wasn't because of an algorithm trying to capture my attention. It was because of all of the interesting people and beautiful art I kept seeing all the time. And I think, again, thinking about like, why am I doing this? Why am I in this ecosystem? That really sums it up. It's it's the connection, the true connection with other people and seeing so many people share different aspects of their reality through memories, whether it's through photography or digital creation or writing or anything else, just that intentionality. And it, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I can relate to so many things that you said there. And I think those are really, really great points. I think there, there's even like so much to unpack there. It would be really interesting to kind of have 
a dedicated space on like the whole expression in photography and during like memories and emotions. I think that would be a really, really interesting space as well. And um, there's something that I wanted to mention, but it slipped my mind. But also I thought if um, if anyone wants to come on stage and join the conversation or add anything, love to have you just request. And otherwise, um, I think that is everything from my side. I, I, yeah, I was just nodding on everything that you've, everything that you said just now, Callum and, and earlier. But um, yeah, especially this last part, I think I really, really, really resonated with me as well. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons that we did so strongly at the beginning of uh, our entry into Web3, because we both see the world from that lens. And yeah, I actually love that. It seems at the end of each space, we kind of have a natural progression into the next topic. So yeah, I'm excited to get into that more deeply. Yes, absolutely. I see that Fred is connecting right now. GM Fred, how are you doing? That's just a few seconds, but just wanted to have to say, I'm glad I stumbled over the space. Calm, everything is said is awesome. It's actually exactly something which I haven't given much thought, but you nut it on the head. I, I really wish you were, if you recorded this, run it through Otter AI, and um, I'm going to read your Medium article, but please, you do need to um, share this a bit more often, tag me, whatever, so I can share it too, because, you know, you really nut on the head. I really just got to say, I loved everything that you said. Um, I even enjoyed every bit. In fact, I, I look forward to hearing from you again. Well, yeah, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, that, that means a lot. And yeah, so I do have some articles that I've been writing. They're on my blog, which is at wanderlutes.com. Um, and the first four spaces or five spaces, I don't remember what we're on now. I think, I think we have four. They've been recorded and uh, I can share that. I'll, I'll retweet it too. It'll be on my page. But yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the feedback and that you got so much out of it and that you were able to join the space for so long too. And yeah, on the AI side of it, well, I mean, that you kind of mentioned that's, that's a whole other topic on its own, I think AI and how that fits in with creation, but I'm trying to figure out how to bring it into sharing more topics like this, because uh, like I do have a full-time job. So the, the creation of these things on the side too, I, I would love to have AI be a tool that I can uh, help to continue to put out more valuable content to people at a rate that I otherwise wouldn't be able to produce just because it takes so long. But then there's always this uh, balance of losing my voice into the AI's uh, expression of my voice. So I, I'm figuring that out. But yeah, if you have any suggestions, feel free to uh, DM me about it too, or talk about it now, whatever you want. That's right. It's another topic for another day, but I'd love to be on your panel when you talk about it, because I'm actually someone who's actually been using AI for five years, and I've been doing digital art on without AI. only recently got back into AI, so um, I'd love to have a chat to you about that, because I use it as a tool. And I believe that a lot of people like yourself would have a, a good experience of having what I've done as a tool. So that's what you know might change your way of that you'll start using it whenever you realize it's, it's useful. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thank you. We'd love to have you up and, and chat more about that. And yeah, I'll, I'll probably DM you about it too, because it is something I want to look into in, in the very near future, especially with all of the uh, GPT chat that I've been seeing all over the internet.
Yeah, and I guess on that note too. Um, so I, yeah, Fred, I really appreciate your comments and, and how much you got value from this this talk. This is something that Julia and I have been talking about for a long time, uh, kind of offline. And we realized that we thought it'd be really helpful for other people to hear our conversations because we both care so much about art and the development of the creator economy in a way that is mentally healthy for people. So I think the more we can talk about this and share it and help people see the bigger picture, the, the better off creators are going to be in the long run. So yeah, if people don't mind, we, I would really appreciate it if you could share the space. Um, I'll put out a, a thread too with a, a list of the first five. And we are working at putting it on a, a podcast too, so that hopefully people, it can be a little bit more accessible to people who don't necessarily uh, know how to use Twitter spaces or find the fact that when you leave the space and come back in, you, uh, in a recording, you have to start from the beginning and find where you were. Like there are some uh, logistical aspects that we're trying to overcome. But if anyone ever has feedbacks um, from feedback from the, the space that we just had, if you have questions or uh, suggestions for future topics, please feel free to comment them to this space. We really value any feedback that you have, and it, it will help us make this space better for everyone else. So, yeah, I, I guess we can kind of end it there, unless, Julia, you have anything you want to add? Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you, Fred, for coming up, and I, I will echo what you said, because I always love talking to Carl and listening what his perspective, because I've learned from him just like talking to him on a bit daily basis since I entered the space and I, I really owe a lot of um, my NFT, crypto and just in general like inner economy and Web3 um, and all of these topics kind of my education to him because yeah we've been talking about it like constantly every day and it's it's always so great learning these things and I think Carl does such a great job explaining things that sometimes I'm, I just have this imposter syndrome of being here i'm just like how do i how do i add anything to this you said everything perfectly but i really appreciate you um doing this space with me and, and i really really enjoy it and learn so much every time so thank you so much yeah my pleasure uh, i'm loving all these compliments it's uh yeah it, it's great talking to you too julia every day it's i think so interesting because we went down kind of different paths in terms of creation like you went into it so early on and just went gung-ho into the creator economy, which I admire a lot. And that's given you, I think, a lot of unique perspective, especially compared to me, where I went down uh, more of the like corporate route. And then only in recent years, I've started getting more into art and creation. So I think that it, yeah, I appreciate you saying all of those nice things about how much value I add, but I get just as much value out of your perspective too. So I think this is why we make such a great team and we can approach these topics in a much more holistic and and just, I don't know, hopefully in a way that can resonate with a lot more people. And I guess kind of on that note, this is where I see a lot of value in Web3, where we can have two different people or five different people and everyone comes in with their own perspective. And instead of having it all kind of fractured into their own little silos where everyone's trying to just raise their following, you start to have people commenting on each other's uh, tweet threads and conveying the, the value that they got from their art and some more of this, I guess, like deeper perspective. And you end up layering these perspectives in a way that just has kind of a synergy to it where you end up getting so much more out of it because of all of the people that put something into it. And the amount that you get out of it is so much more what each individual person put into it. And I, I guess to me, that's kind of what the true creator economy should be. It should be people working together and listening to each other and communicating in a way that you can pull value from so many different perspectives all over the world. 
and hopefully help build the world into uh, a better place that, I mean, I can see the bigger picture in my head. And I know, Julia, you can too, and so many other people can. It's really just uh, a battle to kind of convey it to the world on what it should be. So I, I'm glad to have the opportunity to chat with you and discuss these topics. And I can't wait for what we get up to in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone who joined today. We really appreciate it. And we're going to see you next Friday with another topic. And I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks everyone for joining. And yeah, if, if you don't mind, please share this with anyone that you think might find it helpful. Uh, especially I find from the mental health aspect, a lot of creators really struggle with that, uh, myself included. So I think if there's someone that you think could learn from this and maybe would bring a bit of balance or perspective to their life, please feel free to share because uh, we really appreciate that. And yeah, well, we will catch you next week. Thanks everyone for joining. We really appreciate you being here. Talk to you later. Bye. See you.